0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm one of your hosts, Molly. Hey, I'm Blair. (laughs) And today we're talking about, let me tell you something, something that's uh, pretty applicable to many people uh, with children ages, I'd say uh, one to a thousand. (laughs) Yep. Certainly one to six. We're talking about violence in play. It's so weird. And how much is too much? Should we be worried? Is it gender specific? It's all that stuff about like, is it already in my kid? Did I put it there by accident? <laughs> Oopsie doops. What have I done wrong? It's like yet another thing to feel terrible
1: about. <laughs> yeah. Just add it to the list. Add it to yes. the list. Yes. Yeah. It was really interesting when I when I was doing the research on this, I was like, at first I was like, oh, okay, we're just going to, like, you know, get into it. Oh, it's bad. It's violence. Boo. Not good. And then I started to read some really interesting things about nature versus nurture. And it all made sense. For one of the things, because I am a, and I know this, I think this is the same way with you. No guns. No violence. We don't, like, perpetuate violence in our household. We, I don't allow them to buy guns like toy guns. <laughs> I was like, well, in America,
0: they probably could. <laughs> yeah, we, not to cut you off in any way, just want to say, in general, yes, we do. We have loosened up with Nerf blasters, we call them. Yeah, we have loosened up with Nerf. Right, you don't call them guns. we got a big old yard. We got a big old yard and a great neighbor who my son plays with, and they have like the best time running around. So we have loosened up on Nerf blasters, which he calls guns. He calls them guns. It's all right.
1: Anyway, but go on, go on, please. But no, but that's like, I've been really like I've had my balloon knot very tight about blasters and guns. And <laughs> okay, balloon knot is how I refers to her anus. This is my problem, Molly. Having you here sometimes I forget that I'm talking to you know, whoever the world I'd like to think is listening to us, everybody on <laughs> earth <laughs> Oprah included. We love you, girl. So I forget when I'm sitting here talking to you that I'm just like I just throw out I just throw out my regular, regular, regular language.
0: Yes, yes, which already makes me laugh because you're my friend. But then also in the
1: context of a children's podcast, it makes me really laugh. <laughs> yes, you be clenching, I be clenching, girl. Yes, but in reading this research and reading these articles and whatnot, I'm like, oh wait a second, Blair, ease up, I'm clinch. take a breath. Sniff the flowers, blow out the candles, and <sighs> it's okay because guess what? This just in, violence in play is normal behavior. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I know. We, however, but to our credit, as modern parents, we tend to take violence in play more seriously because of what we've witnessed with school shootings and gun violence over the past 25 plus years, which makes sense. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, and the image and the idea that we not only want to
0: protect our children—yes—from everything, we want to put them, you know, the boy in the bubble, put them on a bubble, put them in a bubble on an island, yeah, where they're only going to eat fresh food and have no <laughs> <laughs> influence from any other outside source—is an impossible dream. But we see, yeah, we want to protect our children, but we also see the image, the reality of our country. I want to say our world, but really. Our country has problems. Mm-hmm. So, and we see the reality of the perpetrators and we think to ourselves, when they were kids, their parents wanted to protect them and wanted the best for them too. We have to assume, you know? For sure. And that's why it's so incredibly heartbreaking and
1: scary. And too, and so, sc- that's what it is for me. It's scary because my kids, they've done like drills at school. Yes. And... I just have such a hard time because I don't want to ruin their innocence and Mm -hmm. also explaining. They don't grasp it. They don't get it. They don't get the permanence of death. They don't get understand like violence and what that can, you know, lead to. It's just it's all. So anytime because of my own issues and my own fears, anytime it starts up in a way that's uncomfortable for me, I immediately put the kibosh on it. Yeah. Well, you also have the context of the outside world that they do not have. Exactly. So to
0: us, it feels like a cold, clammy hand making a fist around our heart when we see that or hear that. And my the tricky part for me is that my son sees that I have a visceral reaction to it and he's like, oh, sweet. I get extra attention when I do this. I think I'll do it more in Maybe bump it up a notch. Ooh. Bump it up, bump it up. Yes, make my behavior even scarier to my mom. <laughs> because he gets, you know, so he'll do something like, a, he'll take a stick. He does that thing anyway. He's done it since he was two years old, mm. where he picks up a stick and, and makes it pew, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And even that, I mean, it's from like Buzz Lightyear. Or it's from whatever. Like, exactly. obviously media that they are exposed to has an effect, but he's not doing it in a way to impart harm upon anyone totally by any means it's more about running around and in his opinion having fun but yeah us parents with the context of the outside world it could mean much different things to us
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. i read this interesting article on parents.com should parents be concerned about violent play and they said the truth is pretend violence is almost always normal there's no such thing as violent play says parents advisor Michael Thomas, Ph.D. Okay, Ph.D. Okay. And clinical psychologist and co-author of Raisin Cain. Violence in itself is an effort to hurt someone, but play by definition is fun. Right. Mm. Right. So whatever the game is, if children are playing and nobody is frightened or hurt, then it's not violence. Hmm. Okay. It's tough. That's a tough one to, to stomach. Yeah, because I think it's because it's he's saying that like, It's not intentional. They're not intentionally trying to... They're not trying to hurt anybody. And they're not going to with those Nerf bullets, I'll tell you what.
0: Because I've gotten hit right in the butt. Right in the keister. To which I believe my son yelled out, Right in your butt crack, mama! So, (laughs) wow, that's the second reference to butts we've had today.
1: Lots of butts. Lots of butts today. It is
0: what it is. Well, that's really interesting. And the funny thing is, I think... Blair, I think you and I talked about this kind of rule, which I still try to, to a certain extent... And force in my home, which is that never point a gun, even a fake gun at a person who isn't playing the game. Yes, remember that. I think you and I have talked about that. And I know that's a rule in some other of my friends and peers' homes as well. And I wonder, too, like I'm hearing what you just said about how violent play. there is no such thing as violent play. But as soon as I guess what my fear is, what if I normalize that? What if we normalize, oh, I grab this gun and I'm gonna point it at my older sister or whatever and pretend to shoot it, I guess, oh, man, I'm
1: scared. I'm scared. No, but it makes complete sense. And in my research, because now I'm an expert. Oh, yeah, you're an (laughs) unlicensed expert in violence play. I am an unlicensed clinical psychologist in this. In my research, it's you have nothing to fear as of right now because it is just play. Right. And as they get older, just like we were just talking about before we even got on the pod about tying their shoes, they'll learn they will learn instinctively, intuitively, oh, violence is this, violence equals this, Mm -hmm. right? Hurting someone, truly imparting violence on some equals hurting someone, I don't wanna do that, right? So it's like, it gets sorted, it's not all on you.
0: Right, you know, and now that I think about it and we're working through this, this is a therapy session for
1: me, thank you listeners. It is, you're welcome, I'm also a a therapist. (laughs)
0: An unlicensed
1: therapist. Through line, unlicensed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do believe now that I'm looking at it more in this light, I guess my rule of never pointing a gun at a fake gun at somebody who isn't playing the game Mm -hmm. also goes down more to with our gun. Now that I'm thinking about a gun safety, because as far as I know, the places where my son goes, he's almost never anywhere without me besides school, but people do own guns. Many own them quite safely. They have them locked up. They have the safeties on. They are not loaded, all that stuff. However, because children get confused and accidental gun deaths in the United States is a scary, scary thing to hear about, Mm -hmm. particularly when it involves children Mm -hmm. on either end of that gun. I think now that we're talking about it, that's what it is for me, is that if we teach our children even fake guns shouldn't be pointed, maybe when they mm -hmm,
1: accidentally pick up a real one, they won't do it if that's the rule. That's a great point, though, that we'll get into later about setting up house rules before play even begins. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. And that's perfect. If you're playing with the pumers, as my three-year-old calls them, they're not guns. Pumers! They're pumers. <laughs> if you're playing with a pumer, can't point them at people. Don't point them at any, you know, that makes complete sense. House rules. And it should be. Yeah. And the more that these things are, as we always mention, the more we practice it, the more it is set into our normal day to day and it is rehearsed, maybe we are setting them up for, if ever, God forbid, they are in a situation where they find themselves in a dangerous situation, they know from having played with stick pumers not to point it at anybody. Right. So, it's a good rule, Mom.
0: Yeah, man. You're on top of it. I don't know. I'm just trying not to be too much of a hard butt. Like I told you, third reference to (laughs) bums. That's third time's a charm. Like I told you, like loosening that rule of Nerf guns, we have genuinely seen that it's mostly like hiding behind things. Totally. Laughing uproariously, shooting his friend in the butt. Like, it's just so silly. It's so silly and funny. And and for us, where we are with our child now, that works for us. And obviously, everybody is different. But yeah, I think it's hard for me to talk about this. I know. Well, listen, just because
1: it's our kids. These are our kiddos. I know. This is a good Mm -hmm. part of it. And I think especially for... Our generation of mothers and parents is that it's scary it's really scary I mean Columbine happened when I was in high school I was the same age as those kids and it was like what and I didn't even at 17 18 I still didn't like wrap my head fully around it but then it's just kind of been a part of our society and part of our like cultural norm unfortunately that now and having children for sure like devastating devastating norm never saying that that's a norm devastating norm and a devastating almost sometimes paralyzing fear so it's good that we're talking about this
0: yes and we're going to emphasize the
1: other play part of violent play yeah yes the play of it yes for sure on the chad.org website, Chad, is children and adults with attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder. It's children and violent behavior, where it comes from and what to do. This article was fascinating. They had some like true gems in here that I was like, oh, yes, right. You know, it's like you read something, you're just like, oh, OK, right. Makes sense. And they had like two major points in discussing this is that the source of these violent tendencies is not either inborn predisposition or culture. It's both nature and nurture. There it is. Bing, bong, bing, bong, bong. And then they also say you might be able to loosen up a bit on play fighting and you might want to tighten up on a lot of exposure to screens and digital media.
0: Oh, that's a tough one. Yes. We've been talking about this. Yeah, they're mimicking. They're mimicking. And even, you know, we talk about this sometimes. Like ratings are really hard to decipher. Yes. You have to pre-watch everything, particularly when my kid was two or three or four, the toddler of toddler purgatory, it would say G or it would say Y or whatever. And I'd come in and be like, yeah, like they're not saying curse words. There's no blood or like literal guns. There's, you know, blasters or whatever. Mm -hmm. But these are people showing aggression and taking it out on each other through blank. Right. And there's always a bad guy. Sometimes it's two bad guys fighting. Sometimes it's, a, (laughs) you know, sometimes the good guys look a lot like the bad guys Mm -hmm. in these things, the way they're behaving. Mm -hmm. And there's also that whole trope in certain media where the bad guys are secretly good guys or the good guys become bad. You know what I mean? It's like. I don't know. That's not really a problem. But I just feel like it might be confusing to our little people. And I have been surprised by YouTube Kids, which we think is safe. It is not safe. Oh, sorry. Sorry, everybody. To just run and run and run because it does go into those. You know how on Spotify or on Pandora you're listening to a song and it's a song you love and then they play another song they think you'll like based on the different aspects of the song you just listened to? Yes. But then you zone out and you're cooking and all of a sudden you tune into the music again and it has gone off into a place that you do not listen to you and you're like, how on earth did the through line Mm -hmm. from my first song get over here? Yeah. That's kind of what happens with YouTube kids and they, even though they do have filters on it and most of it is quite fine, it can veer off into those things. So stay on top of that. But I think part of that is also like your kid's level of tolerance to seeing images Or, you know, videos of some kind. And it, again, might not be weird or violent to you, but might be to a little kid, that kind of thing. I don't know what I'm getting into here. I guess I am agreeing with you that (laughs) it's more about kind of being on top of, especially in those early, early, early stages, the stuff that they're consuming with through
2: their eyeballs.
1: And, yeah, I think, too, it's also, Molly, I think we also have to consider the level of consumption and what kids are consuming. We happen to be... Super diligent, right? There are some parents who are working Mm -hmm. nonstop, right? Yeah. Thinking about like lockdown, right? And sometimes they just don't have the capacity to to be on top of it the whole time. Oh, yes. That's me sometimes. That's me sometimes. Yes. And then these videos go veering off into right and wrong directions. And guess what? The kids get curious and it's interesting to them. So it's like, and then let's be real honest, there's some parents who don't care. There are some people out here who just don't care. They don't think that it is an issue. They don't really, they don't care. Those parents are not listening right now. Because if you're listening to this podcast, you are like
0: us, you know, having some triumphs and some struggles in parenthood, and you're trying to have the
1: triumphs outnumber the struggles. (laughs) And we're all just trying for sure. But I say that only because... They are also the children that our kids are exposed to. Yes. Yes.
3: You know what I mean? Yes, for sure. We'll be right back. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork. Stork a revolutionary baby monitor is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product
2: labeling. Massimo data on file. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.
0: Hi, we're back on Toddler Purgatory. (laughs) Talking about violence in play, we have learned that violent play isn't really a thing because play is play. It's fun. having fun. Nobody's trying to hurt anybody else. And rather than beating ourselves up when our kids are pew, 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 pew out in the backyard, <laughs> what we can do is try and limit what they're exposed to that could, you know,
1: give them ideas about violence. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And according to Jane Ketch, uh, she's an educator and author of Under Dead Man's Skin, Discovering the Meaning of Children's Violent Play. I don't know why. Jane, we may have to talk about the under dead man skin part. That's just me. Anyway, she says all children <laughs> love to play good guys and bad guys because it's how they explore what it means to be powerful. Ooh, Ooh. they are figuring out power play, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're a rule following kid, most of the time, it's really fun to pretend to be the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it is. Yes. I mean, I lo- Listen, give me a villain any day, please. Let me play a villain because I'm a stickler for the rules and I am a follower.
0: <laughs> That's my son too. He's such a good kid. He's such a good listener. He minds his p's and q's, and all of a sudden, he's like a madman when he gets home. Exactly. This is also why, and I am. I have been one of these people as well. It's why. People like dressing up as sexy kitty at Halloween.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It is the opposite. When it comes to, it's such a good point. I mean, it's funny, but it is. I mean, Halloween is like the quintessential example of this. Yes. Is that when it comes to play, when it comes to being, to coming outside of your box and exploring things that aren't like normal or regular or comfortable to you. Mm -hmm. and it's in a playful setting, it's like, yes, let's do it. You're going to be slutty Mario. You're going to be slutty Luigi. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Slutty plumbers for Halloween. Let's do
0: it. Yeah, they want to carry the big foam sword and hide behind the tree and then be the pirate. Yep.
1: It all makes sense. You See what I mean? Like, it all just like, it all makes sense.
0: Yes. But it all makes sense in your brain. It is just hard in your heart. Totes. To have the context of the outside world and see your kid, you know. But I also have we have these really good friends, and their kids are teenagers, and they're two of the best kids I've ever met. And one of them, <laughs> teach me your ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here's the thing: one of them really loved dressing up in military gear when he was little, like <laughs> like a what's it like a flak vest, like really yeah. like. <laughs> and I can't remember; it wasn't even something specific like paintball or nerf or whatever he just liked it mm-hmm. and then he would l- hide in the backyard and he'd build like i, I want to say like forts in the tree, ch- but they're not forts they're the kind where you look down and like spy on, <laughs> spy on people because you're like in <laughs> military combat year <laughs> uh-huh. and let me tell you something blair i think you're right because when i look at that kid who's now 15 or 16 he's like the best kid i know and i think it was because of that <laughs> he's the totally best kid i know so he got to when he got home dress up and play super spy mission or whatever he was doing, carrying his Nerf gun, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I think for the most part, all the kids are going to be fine. Yeah, Be aware of what they're doing, but they're going to be fine.
1: Take it from the unlicensed clinical psychologist, therapist, surgeon, and barista. I can tell you your kids are going to be okay. Yeah. Along those same lines of, you know, like, is it boy specific or girl specific? In that Chad article, they say before it, Three years of age, even in gender neutral households that shun pink and blue, like colors themes, children may still make traditional gender specific toy selections. Mm -hmm. And they say that overwhelmingly gun violence is a male problem and homicide by firearms, including mass shootings, is almost exclusively tied to male gender. Although a decades old connection between X, Y, Y genotype which is males, and violent criminality has proven to be very complicated and uncertain. There does seem to be something about the Y chromosome that increases risk of aggression. Neurobiologists find that masculizing effects of testosterone on the fetal brain is linked to subsequent differences in behavior. So look. There's nothing you can do. This is the nature part of it, right? Yeah, yes. And although causation is complicated and girls are not immune, there's a strong correlation between violent behavior, male gender, and a host of other inborn factors. Oh, everybody. It's just like there's only so much we can do. I mean, it's just, there it is. There's only so much. There is only so much you can do. And the reason why I put this in here and... With all of its words that my brain had a it hard happens. time wrapping around. It happens. And it's also that thing of it truly is. A good part of this truly is nature. And meanwhile, we're on the playground, especially yours truly. Hey, knock it off. Put it Don't point. Don't get off. Don't touch. You know? This is why you don't go to the playground player. <laughs> this is why. Thank you, Molly. You get me. This is why I don't go to the playground. This is one of there's the, not a playground person. I, don't make me go. Don't make me go. If I go, make sure I have a Xanax and a flask of whiskey. Okay. I don't want to be there. Okay. But this is like part of it, right? This is the nature part of it that we're like racking our brains to like figure out that we never will because we didn't put the chromosomes and all the Ys and the Xs and all the stuff together. We didn't do that. We were too busy eating pickles and ice cream with our feet up, trying to figure out. Oh, my ankles were so big. My ankles were oh, so swollen.
0: It was so hot. It was so hot. It was 102 degrees. Summer pregnancies. Yep. Summer pregnancies. And which most people do because there's so many babies born in September. (laughs) So, so many of us, right? Not everybody, but so many of us listening right now are like, oh, right. That time it was 100 degrees and my body was just so angry at me. It was (laughs) so angry at me. How dare you?
1: Mm -hmm. All of this stuff was happening during that.
0: Yeah. Inside our bodies, there's nothing we can do about it. Inside of our bodies. Well, that's an interesting thing to always keep in mind and in perspective, because I feel like we didn't do strictly gender neutral, but we like I have pictures of my son in every color, because even to this day, I say to him because now he has the influence of pre-K and everything where boys start to say things probably that they heard or or perhaps that they believe. Like, Mm -hmm. you pink and purple can't be your favorite colors because those are girl colors, stuff like that, which really infuriates me. So from jump, we have always said, you know, things such as color belongs to everybody. Like, every color belongs to everybody, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, they... (laughs) You know, they start having a bunch of outside factors that teach them how they're supposed to, what they're
1: supposed to like, Mom- and how they're supposed to behave. My three-year-old, she is hell bent on pink being a girl's color. Mm-hmm. She's the only gr- mommy, right? She always like needs my validation for things. She's like, "Mommy, right?" She doesn't end her sentences with "right." She starts it. "Mommy, right?" Pink's a girl's color. "Mommy, right?" <laughs> she needs you to like. Just validate it. Just validate it. Like, I know it, but I need you to, like, back me up on a girlfriend. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to do it. Not going to do it. And then she goes and then she says, right, right, right. Pink is for boys, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's cute. She is cute. Yikes. Yes. But yeah. Uh, and, you know, and
0: also, like, as much as we're saying this about boys' predisposition towards acts of aggression or what have you, because the levels of testosterone in their body, please note that ev- as we always say, every child is different. Your kid's different than my kid. Every child. Every child is different and have different levels of all those things going on with them, have different outside factors. There's one kid who I enjoy so much, who's a friend of my son's. A couple of years ago, my son was probably three and a half or four. And he said to him at a p- outdoor party, oh, it was, it was pre-pandemic. So it must've been three. And he go- he said to him something like, hey, you want to wrestle? And the kid goes, no, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, boundaries. Yes, it was so great. But he like kind of matched his tone, like I'm fun. And that is something that I'm going to take a hard pass on hard. No, thanks, though, dude. Yeah, I loved the hard boundary. But he did it in such a great way. He's a great kid. We still know that kid. But it's really funny. And that's just a great example of how some kids are going to go, let's do a nerf battle. And another kid is like, I'd rather read a book. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: And that's good too. Or maybe some other time they might want to do it because kids like to do all kinds of stuff. Yes, exactly. And let them play. That leads us into okay, so when is it okay versus when is it not okay? Mm -hmm. And what do we do about it, right? And actually, Molly, what you just said is perfect. You're perfect in every way, never change. Thank you so much. Your segues, girl. (laughs) Pristine. Oh, my gosh. Even when I didn't know I was making a segue, there one is. Here it is. A poof. But this one says if play turns into purposely hurting someone, right, that your child is having uh, trouble regulating their emotions or impulses. So this is what you do. You lay down the house rules before play begins, like we discussed. And we use our words and not our hands. And if you feel unsafe, you just say, hey, please stop or I'm not into that. Right, right. You want to wrestle? No, no, I'm good. Set those boundaries. Great. And that's okay. Everything that can be managed. You know, it's not a lost cause. If if you feel as though your kid is into being a little too violent when they play. Right. And you can let and So
0: it's all about before the play begins, letting every kid involved know that they everyone have the power knows. to say stop. And then everyone has to stop. We we actually do have that rule in my house. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And they do it. You know, they do it at school. Mm-hmm. There's so many, like, activities, you know, when they go to, like, birthday parties at, like, these, like, Sky Zone. Catch air. My kids just want to catch air. And before they go in, they get that little, like, house rules. This is what's going to go down. Right. And kids are like, okay. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. i are used to it. I want to play. Okay. I'll follow the rules. Yeah, I don't want you to stop the play. That would be yeah. I want you to stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know what's up. What can I not do? Also, remember that play is processing. It's processing. And if we stop the play, we halt the conversation. Hmm. Guilty. This is from the parents article. And the author was saying that, for example, her kid was playing, her daughter was playing pirates and she was shooting at sharks in the water because the sharks were taking her blood. Ooh. And, yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, okay, further reading. <laughs> Need a little context. <laughs> yeah. And it turned out that she was like, oh, my goodness, why is this happening? And then in further discussing it, they had been to the doctor earlier that week where they she had to get some blood drawn. Oh. So she was processing what had happened in her play. So it's like. And it makes complete sense, right, for the kid. And it also makes complete sense that her mom's like, what? What's
0: happening? Yes. Oh, yeah. So in other words, if they're doing something
1: that gives you pause, don't pause it. Don't pause it. Don't immediately think it's violent behavior and I'm giving birth to the next serial killer. Maybe later at dinner, you can say, hey, I noticed blah, blah, blah. What was that all about? Okay. Or even in the moment, what's, oh my goodness. Why are the sharks taking your blood? Yeah. Right. It's just like, get into it without going, whoa, 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 whoa. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yep. Guilty. Guilty. I'm guilty of this one too. Don't panic or threaten. This is me all the time. Knock it off. Right. (laughs) Knock it off or else. We uh, uh. We don't do that. Right. Right. Oh, yes. Blair. (laughs) Yes. We don't do that. And it says the worst thing we can do is give kids the sense that their fantasy life is bad or wrong. Oopsie doopsie. <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to tenure years re- <laughs> mothers is over. <laughs> Retire as I'm retiring from motherhood. Turns out I've been doing this thing all wrong. Oh no!
0: See, that's the thing too is that you know, and we are here, listeners, to reassure you that you're not doing it all wrong. Neither are you, Blair. Neither am I. Yeah. We cannot help but react to things in the context of our lives. Right. And our context is much broader than our kids. What we're doing right now is we are just becoming more aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it, when in fact what we need to do is become more aware of why they're doing it. Yes.
1: And it's also practice, Molly. It's also that thing, too, where we just have to put it into practice because a lot of the times when I'm saying, knock it off, don't do that, not here, it's because I'm tired. <laughs> my cup oh, has yeah. overflown. I am done. And sometimes it's a noise level. Sometimes I just don't want to deal with it. But really, what is the message that I could be sending to my kid? Right. That their beautiful imaginations and what they're coming up with is wrong. And because it involves blood or because
0: it involves uh shooting a weapon of some kind right man it's all about stepping back and like breathing right it is always it's always looking at it from the outside pressing that pause button and freezing the action is not a luxury we are afforded but it's something we have to do in the moment which is real hard because we have our triggers too uh, yup yup sure, yep.
1: yep, sure do yup sure do yes This one is a big one. They say that aggressive play could be a way a kid is working through their emotions. Okay. Monitor, observe, stay connected. Your primary job is to make sure that the play is safe and consensual. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Don't automatically assume you've given birth to the next serial killer. Okay. I do sometimes. I do sometimes as well. I do sometimes as well. And talk to your pediatrician when it becomes worrisome for you. And how do we know that? Is beyond temperament. This is from that Chad article. They say that beyond temperament, certain skill deficits can contribute indirectly to violent behavior. Children who have a hard time with motor language and executive skills might be stressed, frustrated, and lash out. Ooh. Yes. yes. Of course. Children with social skills deficiencies might not be able to read social cues and context and lash out. Yes. They might resort to inappropriate behavior because they don't know a more conventional way to navigate certain social situations. Children who have been traumatized by significant medical problems, injuries, hospitalizations, surgery, and serious allergic reactions might have a shorter emotional fuse for certain social and sensory stimuli. There it is. Bazoom. Bazinga.
0: There it is. That's good. Again. Again, stepping back and looking at the whole picture. Absolutely. That's what we need to do. And then always call your pediatrician.
1: Yep. And if you're on the playground, not me, or in school or wherever, you see this type of behavior, either coming from your child or from someone else, also step back, take a second. What could possibly this child have been going through, gone through, to lead through? What kind of issues does this kid might have? you're so close to it being an actual sentence
4: (laughs) i'm so close
0: i'm so close sometimes words hard are
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's like yes what could this kid be going through because that's where i'm like (gasps) oh my gosh right or i do this thing where i pull my kid away
0: yeah come on let's go let's not yeah Yeah, taking them right out of it. Well, you got to
1: keep your kids safe too, but I got to keep my kids safe. But I'm also like, yeah, it could also be a moment where I can be like, oh, wait, maybe they're dealing with something and maybe this could be a teaching moment where I can explain to my kid, right? Maybe they're going through something, you know, why don't you continue to play with them? Why don't you help them? Right. Or let's help them. Right. Or let's talk to them. Let's have a co- maybe I mean, if it's like super violent and it's like unsafe and it's not consensual. Sure. Right. Exit. Right. Right. But there's an empathy thing. I get too deep in the empathy thing sometimes. Every
0: situation's going to be different is what I mean to say. Always. And parents, you just got to follow your gut. And if that's what your gut says is that this other kid needs would benefit from your empathy right now and maybe slowing things down and. Maybe checking in with their parent and saying, Hey, I have two bananas. You cool if these guys take a banana break? That's from a animated show called Chico Bon Bon. Time for a banana break. But it solves so many problems having that banana in your diaper bag. I don't know how many times it has solved problems for me because so often it is hunger. Hunger. it is tiredness it is whatever sometimes mm-hmm. it's deeper like you were saying it might be that kid is your kid or somebody else's kid is having trouble regulating their emotions and impulses mm-hmm. sometimes it can be some trauma that they're working through of course mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah and if you got to st- take your kid out of the situation take your kid out of the situation but and it if it is your
1: kid talk to the pediatrician talk to him listen like you said listen to that gut yeah and also i was gonna say we'll be right back i was gonna say speaking of chico bamba <laughs> chico bamba banana
0: break We're taking one right now. We'll be right back, everybody.
5: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Welcome back
1: to Toddler Purgatory, where we're talking about violence and play. And we are getting down to the nitty gritty and just coming up with ideas of how to detect whether it's okay or whether it's not okay and what to do about it. One of the last things that they point out in this uh, Parents.com article is if you hear disturbing imagery in your child's play, like heads exploding, limbs ripped off, I've heard it, check and check. The question to ask is, where are they getting this from? The likely culprit is their media diet, where violence can crop up in uninspected ways, like we were talking about. Like we were just talking about, yes. Yep. And they say, limit screen time and monitor the things that they're watching. Which, again, can get tricky and hard. It's tricky. We get it. We've been there. It's tricky. We get it. Tricky and hard. But, again, I think it's also that gut thing, again, where it's just like, I've creeped up. (laughs) You know, I'll be like, listen, I'm guilty. I'll be sitting on the couch. My kids will be watching some cuckoo banana show that I am not into. And I'll be catching up on Love is Blind on my phone. Okay? There, I said it out loud. Okay? Okay. If you have to get away from Coco Melon, you have to do what you have to do. You have to do what you have to do.
0: You have our permission. I know they're watching one of the two C's, Coco Melon or Caillou.
1: <laughs> Caillou. Caillou.
4: Knock it off.
1: Oh no. I get it. But there have been times where I'm catching up on Love is Blind and all of a sudden I look up and I see something like, hmm, what's going on here? Where my gut's like, hmm, that's not cool or doesn't rub me the right way.
0: Yes, totally. Because also they might have changed shows. They might have changed episodes. They might like, you don't know. Just do the best you can because all of us. But we've talked about this before as well, which is like during the pandemic, which is right now, but (laughs) during the lockdown, (laughs) like what is anybody supposed to do? So just like do your best. If you do look up and see an image or a something that doesn't feel right to you, talk through it with your kid. Talk through it. Yeah. Pause it. What, didn't we have, um Britt Hawthorne was on talking about raising anti-racist children, and she was such a good example of a parent who takes their kid through things after, like, yes, they flip through a book in Target, and at the very end, there are questions that you can ask, so that you can actually help them process whatever that thing might be. I mean, I remember when my kid was, you know, two or three years old, and he's watching something, and I... I'm running around or doing something or frankly taking five minutes to scroll in the next room. Yeah. We have open doorway. So I'm right there, but like to just like take a minute to breathe. And all of a sudden I'll look up and cause I'll hear like clang, clang, clang. And it's just like, <laughs> it's just the bodies of transformers hitting each other during a battle. You know, whatever that thing is, right? But I, you got to kind of just check in with where your kid is. Is your kid two and a sensitive kid? Are they five and nothing phases them? Mm-hmm. You know, like, or maybe they seem like nothing phases them, but it would still benefit them to work, process it with you. So just take it instance by instance and kid by kid. But my biggest takeaway from this, Blair, was definitely the thing of violent play is, is not something that exists. If it's play, they're having fun. They're not trying to hurt each other. Yep. And if their play does seem to be a little realistic or a little more, what's that word? Like hyper violent, then again, take that step back. We don't have the luxury of pressing pause, but pretend that we've pressed pause and said, ooh, okay, where might they be getting this? Are they getting it from school? Are they getting it from media that seemed okay to me? Hmm. It was G or it was Y or whatever. Maybe take another look at that or next time you can. If you have the privilege of having some time to be able to just sit around and watch kids shows with your kid, <laughs> maybe see if one of those shows that seemed okay, maybe has gotten a little too action packed for your kid. And that could help you as well. You can help them process as much as you can.
1: I mean, one of my biggest takeaways is, you know, don't kill the fun. Yeah. Don't kill the fun because it doesn't feel comfortable to you because they process and they understand things and they don't have the same worldview as you do. So you could be stomping on that beautiful imagination that they are creating. And I and that like that's like such a great reminder for me. And I'm going to be way more diligent about not doing that. Yeah. Even in my frustration, even when my exhaustion level is at 110,000 plus, I think it's just like really important for me to be mindful of that. Cause I don't, and it's like being a creative kid. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want anybody to take that away from me. Yeah. And also there,
0: you're all listening to this podcast for a reason. We're all trying to be good parents. Your kids are going to grow up to know the difference. Yes. Yeah. You know, like my friend's son, who's the best kid in the world and, He knew the difference. You know, most kids figure it out and they're going to be just fine. All we can do is support them as much as
1: we can. Do I just needlessly worry? Yeah, I think so. Well, we have a lot
0: of things to be worried about. This is a complicated time to be raising kids. Not that it was ever uncomplicated. Not that like raising kids during World War II wasn't I mean, that was was complicated. Yeah, everything. Everything everything during, you know. All of it. The Civil War. That couldn't have been easy.
1: That's not easy. I wouldn't
0: want to go back there. That's
1: for sure. No, thanks. No, thanks. <laughs> so we, our lives are complicated and raising our kids in just a different way. That's all different. way. It's all different. It's just different. But it's normal. It's like you said, it's normal. And take that step back. Yeah. That's it. Always. Ugh. All right, everybody. Okay. Well, we're breathing. We got this. Okay. All right. We got it. You got this. You got that. We're breathing.
0: We're breathing. We got this. Thank you all so much for being here. And we will get this again we next will- time with you all. Here on Toddler Purgatory, go to ToddlerPurgatory.com to check out old apps and leave us a comment. It's just checking stuff out. We love to hear from you. Oh, man, we really do. As you know, we really do. And we think you're great. And guess what? Parents, you're doing a great job. We'll talk to you soon back here on Toddler Purgatory. Take it easy.
4: Real truth alert. Pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katyun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health.